horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, it's time to uh, wish you a happy Memorial Day weekend, everyone. I hope you get a three-day weekend or maybe even sneak out a little bit early tomorrow and make it a four-day weekend. But I can tell you this, if you are a horse player, we have got you taken care of this week i'll get back to all the great races on memorial day weekend but first you're saying well that's interesting john but who's on with you tonight well jason beam will be on jason's been uh, with us a couple times a real interesting guy uh he has uh been all over the country as a race caller uh, and he also has his, uh, his Beamy awards and he's got, uh, I mean, the guy is just so active on social media and, uh, now he's going to take over at the microphone at Tampa Bay down. So he's been around the horn and uh, right now he's heading for home and that is at Tampa Bay in Florida. Then our second guest, this is kind of ironic. I was on his show this morning from Race Day Las Vegas. Ralph Sirocco, the host of that long airing show, will be our guest. Ralph's been on with us before. Uh, never is short of opinions on any subject so i'm not going to have any problem with him ralph and i go back quite a few years with our friend richie ing who as you know has been on this show a bit another las vegas guy now but they weren't las vegas guys when we were hanging out in northern kentucky together so that's the lineup now john you tease me with all these great races what are you talking about I am talking about this weekend. I don't have time to name all the races, but starting tomorrow, uh, you'll get to hear the uh, voice of one Ed Meyer. If you tune into Belterra Park, they're giving away a half a million dollars in five races at Belterra. That's tomorrow. It's basically, uh, it's called the Best of Ohio, and it's it's the first uh, chapter in Ohio's uh, Breeders' Cup and Horse of the Year. Now, uh, so the series, it's a five-race series, $100,000 a race. It, it starts uh, in Cincinnati, and then it moves to the Cleveland area at Thistledown, and then it moves to the Youngstown area at Mahoning Valley. So that's the way it goes. So this is round one of the Best of Ohio, and our man, Ed Meyer, will be calling the races. Go ahead and give him a listen. He's been getting a lot of TVG airtime uh, uh, lately. Of course, uh, they don't race on the weekends, and it's going to be too busy anyhow. Now, the easy win forms, folks, you are going to need them this weekend. Why say that, John? Check this out. From tomorrow through Monday, you'll get to wager and watch on 56, yes, I said 56 stakes races, 16 of those will be grade one. So don't forget, Monday, Memorial Day, there's going to be 20 stakes races and uh, uh, four graded stakes races. Three of those 
grade ones on Monday. So uh, this would be your week to pull down the easy win forms. We'll help you get some big prices as we did this week. Uh, over the past couple of days, pretty much we're everywhere. Lone Star's having a really big, big day too, including the Texas Derby. We had a nice win at uh, Lone Star a couple days ago. Just a 20-cent pick six returned $1,131. Then let's go up and to the west at Golden Gate. A $1 Super 5 paid 13 and Mountain Rocky High at Mountaineer, a $1 super box returning $2,039. If you don't believe me, go to winningponies.com because we give out our results of the picks that we give. So you're going to want the easy win forms and you're <laughs> going to have to find an excuse to get in front of a TV or make your way down to your favorite racetrack. Um to, uh, to check out the action because there is plenty of it. Well, you know, it was, uh, of course, we know all about uh, Bob Baffert and uh, the uh, betamethasone. Then we had a CBD. Yep, folks, that's right. The stuff your grandmother takes. A CBD positive for Ron McAnally, Hall of Famer, who is squeaky, squeaky clean if anybody was. And now, top trainer John Sadler uh, had a, t a positive test come back uh, for a race that happened on September 27th. It was the Santa Anita Sprint Championship Stakes. It was a grade two flagstaff, the name of the horse. It is uh, biphosphonate is uh, the name of it. And uh, now... Um, so the split sample proved that. So right now, according to his attorney and former thoroughbred trainer, Daryl Vienna, uh, it's currently in the process of being classified as a class three drug, which are not deemed to influence performance, uh, certainly as much as a, a one or a two. So um, Flagstaff was treated. Uh, obviously, it came back in both tests. So uh, I guess uh, so he uh there, there's been some uh biphosphate i gotta become a pharmacist to do this show anymore um a positive test out in california and uh, sadler has had one in the past so they're just going to add that to uh any current uh, discipline that that he's going under uh but uh you know, this horse has raced 19 times for Sadler. This is the only positive test. And, uh, man, the gelding was beaten just ahead by CZ Rocket in that race. And he's, he's run four times since that race. All this year, the Commonwealth Stakes at Keeneland, uh, and he raced at uh, uh, Churchill Downs, the Santa Anita Sprint Championship. So, uh, you know obviously didn't have it in there but again we've been talking about these low thresholds and the new increased testing this again could be something it could be finding something you did years ago that laid latent in your system we will find out all right 
Belmont Stakes, not this Saturday. You got another week to go. And it looks like uh, we thought Midnight Bourbon might be going, but instead, he's going to be given a little bit of a freshening. And he's probably going to come back in the uh, Jim Dandy or the Haskell, uh, according to Steve Asmussen. Now, essential quality, still sitting on the fence. He had a second work at Churchill uh, the other day. He breezed a solid five furlongs in 59 and four on Saturday. So he's going to breeze again this Saturday. And then it looks like he is going to go to Belmont Park. So hopefully sitting on the fence, they're going to fall over and find themselves in the Big Apple. I think with his tactical speed and the fact that he is a son of Pat Tappet. Tappet's been very successful in the Belmont Stakes going that mile and a half. This could set up pretty nice for the horse who was the favorite in the Kentucky Derby. Well, it's that time of year again. It's time for Wesley Ward to pack a plane full of contenders flying over to Royal Ascot in England, their boutique meet. Now, he, he likes to settle in a little bit early. There's going to be two other Americans going. Uh, Brendan Walsh has Extravagant Kid, and Artos is trained by Rusty Arnold. Uh, they hope to go in the Royal Ascot, but they've never been there before, so uh, maybe Wesley Ward can give them a few tips on uh, what's going on over there. How about this? Good news just broke today. Saratoga Racecourse will reopen to fans at near full capacity for this summer uh basically if you can bring your card and prove you've been vaccinated you are coming in and you're getting a reserve seat and you're going to be fine uh for people that can't there's going to be uh, uh one section of the grandstand i understand that will be separated and they'll have to keep their masks on for the entire day but the other people can go mask free and go about the facility so this is huge for those of you planning a uh, trip to the spa and in the bad news category windstar stallion Leobon passed away at only eight years old. As you know, he was starting out in New York, uh, where he was uh, listed as a very modest price stallion. And then all of a sudden, when his baby started winning in some big races, they said, eh, let's get him here in Kentucky. And Winstar made a deal. Uh, sad to say uh, he, that uh, he uh, uh, passed away. Uh, unexpectedly at the age of eight at Windstar Farm. You knew to, they take good care of their horses. All right, real quick before we get on to our guests, let's take a look at the races we looked at last week. We're going to suffer again with some short fields this week, as was the case in the Santa Maria at uh, Santa Anita. Only five in there, but man, it was an exciting race. As time goes by, the favorite, trained by Bob Baffert, a son of American Pharaoh, got the job done by a nose over the longest shot in the field, this T. CC, who I liked, was right up in there and was nowhere to be found in the stretch run. Then in the grade three honeymoon, it was going global, my pick in that race, everybody's pick. Nice going, John. They must have been listening to you. Four to five, an easy win. That's five in a row for the Phil D'Amato trainee who came over here in 
uh, from Ireland where he won his last race overseas and then has been undefeated here in North America. And in the second spot was Golden, uh, Richard Mandela up and comer. Uh, we did go to Churchill Downs. Remember, they are racing at odd times down there, and they've got a huge card this weekend. And it was the winning colors, a grade three, a sprint race, and it was trainer Greg Foley winning with Wisconsin, getting the job done, 12th lifetime start, fourth victory, nice horse, Wisconsin, a Philly by include, got the job done in the grade three winning colors. All right, we're getting ready to take our first break here. We just want to let you know when we do have uh, Ralph Sirocco up, he's going to be our, our second guest. Uh, we're going to be going out to San Anita and looking at Saturday's races. Of course, there's great races all weekend long. But until then, or before then, we're going to get a chance to talk to a really great guy in racing from nowhere else but Grant's Pass, where he's calling race before he moves on to the uh, uh, his new gig at Tampa, none other than Jason Beam. I'm John Engelhart, and you are listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for Winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Bet with confidence. Bet with BUSR. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, a gentleman who, luckily, I'm not good at math, but Jason Beam is. He said he did the math, and he just realized that uh, we've known each other now for 15 years. He just turned 41. Jason Beam, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Great to uh, hear about your new promotion. Uh, Happy to be with you. Well, uh, 
as uh, as you know, I, I kind of joke that Cincinnati's the underground railroad for announcers to Florida. As we know, Pete Aiello has made his mark down there. And now it looks like, and you're going to love, I'm sure you've been there, uh, Tampa Bay Downs. Uh, that that little track, it kind of reminds me of the old River Downs, the way it's set up. There's all these cool, like, family area and then... You know, Joe Sixpack in the grandstand, uh, they've got a, a nice uh, dining area uh, down past the finish line. It, you know, it's like, it, take your pick where you want to be at the track and you're comfortable for the day. And they've got that great turf course, too, that you'll get to call with them pretty much coming head on to the announcer out of that starting gate on the turf course. You know, it's funny. I told somebody, because Monmouth has that, too, the kind of the infield shoot turf course and uh i think those are actually some of my favorite races to call because it's a it's a different challenge because they're running at you but it's just they i don't know i just feel like the shape of the races how they kind of optically look they're just they're just really a fun challenging kind of race to call i got such a kick out of doing it at monmouth and i guess at, uh, at Gulfstream west it was the same thing too well you, you know uh i i have to be totally and until i heard about you calling there i had never heard about the racetrack grants pass will you please educate me and a good portion of our audience as to a where it is b who the pass is named after and c describe the track well i think uh Part of the reason I was hired was uh, so that people would know that they existed. Uh, but, yeah, it, so Grants Pass is in southern Oregon. It's about 55 miles north of the California border and probably four hours uh, south of Portland. And so it's it's not the easiest track to get to if you're, you know, trying to, to ship in or, or something like that. But, you know, for the for the most part, I mean, it's it's a beautiful little town. It's small. I mean, it's, I think, population 35,000 people. And it's about 30 miles from Medford, which is kind of the southern Oregon, you know, epicenter, which is about 200,000 people. So uh, it's a small community. It's it's a beautiful setting. It's surrounded by hills and mountains. And we get some of the best sunsets you'd ever want to see at a racetrack. But, um, yeah, it, for years it was a fair meet. I mean, literally 50 or 60 years. It was always kind of the three weeks leading up to the 4th of July. And then that was the big uh you know, the big final card for them, the firecracker security was their big quarter horse race. And, uh, it just existed as one of the Oregon fairs. There's a, a nice fair circuit up here, but when Portland Meadows closed in 2018, I believe it was the, the there was one commercial license allowed for racetracks in Oregon and, and that license became available. And so, uh, Travis Borsma, who is the CEO and founder of Dutch bros coffee, which is a really big West coast coffee chain. You know, he was a a horse owner and a fan of racing and, and they're based in Grants Pass. And so some of the horsemen approached him about, you know, possibly buying the commercial license and, and, you know, and running the, running a commercial meet there. And so um, they elected to do that. They've put a ton of money into remodeling the facility. It looks great. I mean, it used to kind of be a dust bowl, um, you know, with a track around it and, and not much else. And now we got these great soccer fields in the infield that the community uses all throughout the year. And great, um, you know, they put up great fencing. They widened the track so we could accommodate 10 horse races. And um, it's just been so neat to, to be a part of. And, uh, you know, they actually, the first commercial meet, they had Michael Rona up here calling back in 2019. And uh, and then when Michael took the year-round job at Los Al, 
Uh, they called to see if I was available, and it it just so happens to work that they're they run a spring meet and a fall meet, and it's like perfectly sandwiched around when I'm at Colonial. So it makes for a really good schedule for me, and uh, and I love it. I mean, it's it's just two days a week. It's the people are great. It's it's fun racing, and and the handle's growing. I mean, when I the, the first year. As a commercial meet, they were doing eighty to one hundred thousand, and this year we've been averaging about four hundred and fifty thousand. So uh, we're 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 getting word out there, and we're we're growing. And like I said, I think part of my purpose of being here is to just get word out that we exist and that we're a commercial meet, and that there's some good racing here. Well, uh, you know, Margot Flynn, who I know uh, from Tampa Bay, <clears throat> had some very kind things to uh, uh, to. to mention about you but a part of uh, i think the attraction that a track gets when they, when they get jason beam is they get uh, a huge uh, gatling gun of uh social media uh you've created the beamy awards uh you've got an at jason beam racing instagram uh you have a youtube channel uh tell me about the, the far reaches of jason beam and some of the different platforms we can find you on well i mean yeah, the social media thing i think it's become an important part of i mean of, of everything right i mean every business pretty much has it and it's in a lot of ways it's it's a way to have free advertising but i've always taken an approach with it that you know if it's not genuine and real like people are going to see right through it you know and so i try to just be myself i try to put out fun content and funny stuff and entertaining stuff and hopefully people react to that and like it and, and twitter's certainly been my my most prominent platform as far as uh you know getting people to to see my content. And then also, I, you know, I have a daily podcast for Churchill Downs and, and Twin Spires. And so that helps with, you know, spreading anything I'm promoting or wanting to talk about. But uh, it really has become a part of, you know, of, of being in business. And, and I would say race calling, too. I remember when I was first breaking in, I remember Vic Stoffer telling me, you know, the days of kind of just being a race caller are, are kind of gone. Like you have to offer some other talents to these tracks because, you know, they want to combine jobs and, and what have you. And so it's, it's, it's rare that the guys anymore can just go upstairs, call the races and go home. And I wouldn't want to do that anyways. I mean, it's my personality to be a little more social and stuff, but um, you know, I think it's, I think you have to make yourself more valuable to them as a, uh, as an employee. And, and I think social media is certainly a good way to do that. Well, you certainly do now. T- tell us, you came up with this idea of the Beamy Awards. What are they, and and how do you come up with the finalists? Well, the the Beamy Awards are are done. I, I retired them last year. Um, it was essentially it was it started out just kind of as a joke. I thought it would be funny. I mean, racing Twitter has a lot of characters, and they have a lot of you know. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of just random funny stuff. I thought, and so I made a an award show that was kind of dedicated to. It was like kind of a mock award show, but it was more more so a comedy show than anything, and uh, and it kind of went really well the first year. Like I thought it was just going to be a, a dumb little thing I did one night, and so we did it the second year, and it really blew up, and it was trending nationally, and it got a lot of attention, and uh, it, we did six editions of it, and I just think it got to the point where creatively it had kind of reached its apex, and it was you know. Uh, I think it just had ran its course, so to speak. And so I, uh, I decided to retire. I still, people still ask, they're bringing them back, and I, I have no plans to. But, you know, you never say never. But for the most part, you know, there was never a, 
meritocracy to getting an award. It was just if somebody did something I thought was funny or if there was an interaction I thought was funny and I could make into a joke, then I would uh, I would do it. And it, it, it seemed to work pretty well. It got me a got me a lot of attention, but it was also, you know, it was just a fun kind of night for, for racing folks to hopefully laugh at ourselves a little bit. Sometimes our sport is not very good about that. Well, uh, I, I know you had a lot, a lot of fun with it while you did it. And like you said, everything has its lifespan and, uh, you, you, you know, you, you hit that one out of the park and now it's time to move on, uh, uh to, to the next game. I, I know you, you went to the university of Washington, so you bring to the booth a good, uh, skill set, uh, quickly back to, um, Grant's pass. What the, mm-hmm. what are the facilities like? Do they have you like calling on the roof with a you know a tie thing keeping you so you don't fall off or <laughs> describe your uh, well uh, no so what it was is it was it was where the like the old football stadium was it's like a football grandstand like uh, you know a high school football grandstand and then you know there was kind of just a racetrack in front of it but in the middle of the racetrack used to be the old football field and when they subsequently now add all these soccer fields and so it works great because people can sit up in the stands and watch the soccer on the non-racing days but i mean they've built a beautiful you know huge electronic tote board it's one of the better tote boards of any track i've been to let alone a small track and um i mean it the facelift that they put on it has been pretty incredible i mean it's uh it's something to see. I mean, all you know, just all the fencing, uh, landscaping, everything. It, it just it looks like a real racetrack now, and it, and it used to not. And so it's it's really cool to see. As far as the booth, the only tough part is I got to hike to the top of the grandstand, and so there's no. I, I keep joking that next year we got to get an elevator in there, but uh, it's actually it's, it's it's good for me. But no, it's uh, it's it's essentially a you know a high school football press box, and it works out good because the stewards and the camera guys are in one side, and then I get the whole other side. So I get there my uh, I get my I get my privacy, which is nice. Well, uh, I, I hold in my hand uh, a book called Southbound. So, in, in addition to doing everything else that uh, we've we've talked about, um, you are also an author. Now, now th- this book is uh, uh, about a guy that had a gambling addiction that almost ruined him at 32 years old. Of uh, you know, so it's a fa- a fictional book. But gee, where did you get the ideas? Yeah, I mean, it's I certainly used some of my story is the jumping off point. It was more, it started out as a journal entry. It was to, it was, I always just had this dream to like, say, screw it. I'm going to just be a professional gambler, bet the races. And and I knew that was a horrible idea, but (laughs) it allowed me to play out the fantasy of that and how that would go if I really tried it. And, uh, you know, and mixed in with it was, you know, I, I had the money, the everybody thinks it's based on me and the background is, but the character's not. And, you know, there's a lot of things he does in there that I never did or would do. And, but you kind of got to, you know, you got to muddy the characters up a little bit to make them a little more desperate or interesting or whatever. And so, um, it's, what's really strange is they just, they just recently, the publisher, uh, decided to do an audio version of it. And so I've been getting the, the chapters that the voice actor has been doing the last couple of weeks. And it's, it's, I hadn't, you know, I haven't read the book in years because by the time you're done writing it and editing it, like you, you, it's the last thing you ever want to see again. You've read it so many times. <laughs> and so, uh, it, you know, I, I hadn't looked it up in just a long time. And so when they commissioned the audio book, it's been fun to kind of listen to it and, you know, go back into that world a little bit. And so I'm excited for when that comes out and the guy that's doing it, the actor is very, very good. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really proud of it. Not, you know, I mean, I think it's a good story and all that. And, you know, we've, and the publisher's happy with it and they've, you know, they renewed the publishing deal for another five years and all that, but I'm just proud that I 
started and finished a, a big project like that. It's just it was it was about four years from start to finish, and uh, it was neat to see it kind of all the way through it to its uh, its uh, you know paperback form. Yeah, it is a big project. I, I think it's it's close to 220 pages, I believe. So, yeah, I know I never uh, wrote anything like this if you combined all my papers in college together. So congratulations <laughs> on uh, on you being an author now, too. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that caught my eye, I always try to keep an eye on uh, y- your your travels over the years because I, I always liked you from the time we met, uh, well, now I know, 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, describe to our audience out there kind of, the early days of, of Jason Beam and kind of the uh, certiguous path uh, you took that's going to land you eventually in Tampa Bay and probably other places. Uh, well, I was a you know a racing fan as a kid. My dad, my dad would take me out to Long Acres in Seattle where we grew up, and uh, you know I just loved everything about it. And the race caller there was a guy named Gary Henson, and. Gary yeah. who was the son of Harry Henson, the famous Hollywood Park announcer, and uh, you know had a, Gary had a style that was very very similar to his dad's i mean i'm sure you know intentionally so and you know that very and on the outside here's so and so and da, 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 you know very rigid like that and that gravelly voice but it, it just it really stuck with me the you know the role that he played in the races and so i was always interested in the announcer and you know when robert geller took over at emerald i you know paid attention to him but it wasn't until 2005 i was out of college i was working doing real estate which was going awful and uh Vic Stoffer had this amazing call of the um, American Oaks. It was a horse named Cesario, who was this beautiful, uh, you know, black Japanese mare. And she was she just ran off the screen, and it was like the perfect race call. If you go listen to it on YouTube, it's just so good. And I remember thinking, like, I, I got to try to do that. And so I went, bought binoculars. I spent the whole summer going up to the, you know, the press box at Emerald and I would practice into my old tape recorder. And when Portland started, I, I started practicing in my tape recorder there and, one day at Portland, it would have, in fact, I know the day, it was January 8th of 06, the, uh, the announcer, Michael Bryan, he goes, okay, you're doing the, the next race, you're doing the sixth race. And I was like, really? And so I called the sixth race, it went okay. A couple days later, or a couple weeks later, they, they let me call two more. And then, like, in early February, Michael Bryan was sick, and so I got to fill in the whole day. And I really, really screwed up the sixth race, like bad. And so I had the TV guys make me a demo tape of races one through five. <laughs> and uh, and there was there was two jobs that were open, Great Lakes Downs and River Downs at the time. And so I sent my first five races tape to a guy named Brian DeYoung, who I'm sure you remember. And um, I remember Brian asking me, like, oh, you just called the first five? And I said, yeah, they, they had me split the card. I, I lied. <laughs> I there you go. To, hey, I brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't want him to hear that sixth race. It was bad. So... Uh, Brian, I remember he called me to tell me he got the, the CD because, you know, back then you had to send a CD or DVD. And, um, you know, he said he'd be in, in contact. And a couple weeks later, I'll, ne- I'll never forget it, John. I was upstairs in, a, in my house and I, I had all these messages from a guy named Greg Boomerai who had put in a good word with Brian. And he's like, call Brian DeYoung now. And I called Brian. Brian answered the phone and he goes, so do you want it? And, and I, I said, I do. And he goes, don't you want to know what it pays? And I go, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and uh, so I took the job at River, and uh, you know, went right over there. And the guy at Portland actually uh, resigned that summer, and so within six months, I had two jobs and uh, did River for two and a half years, and uh, was at Portland for, God, eight or nine, I think, and then uh, you know, 
onward we went. I, I took a, I was out of it for a couple of years. I, you know, I, same when I left River Downs, I, I had really been struggling with my mental health and anxiety issues. And uh, when I left Louisiana Downs, it was kind of the same thing. And so I was out of announcing for a few years. And then uh, a lovely guy who you know named Pete Aiello called me up with a, a fill-in opportunity, and it, and it went good. And the phone hasn't stopped ringing since then, which is which is a good problem. That that's awesome. Well, Jason, I I got about uh, just under two minutes. Okay, yep. Now, how are you going to balance uh, Tampa Bay without with any other positions, or is that going to be your bread and butter? I have you know what I have literally very almost minimal conflict. Uh, the only conflict I'll have is the last two weeks of Grant's Pass in the spring. But other than that, my schedule aligns like just too perfectly. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to do everything I do. And Tampa obviously is, is, you know, going to be kind of a number one, but um, you know, it's just, I, I'm really lucky as far as scheduling concerned. Cause I have very, I mean, literally a two week overlap and that's it. Now, when you say do everything you do, tell us about the other tracks. Uh, well, Grants Pass, I call in the spring and the fall, and then I go to Colonial Downs. Uh, we start July 19th for the summer meet there. Uh, uh, Dave Rodman was the longtime announcer there, and then they closed, and then they came back six years later, and I was hired back in 2019. So uh, me and Dave have been the only two guys to call there, which is pretty cool because to me, he's he's pretty much the tops. Well, Jason Beam, I am so happy, uh, to, A, for your success, and B, it's just great uh, to hear your voice again and to, to watch your career spiral upward. And, uh, I, you know, it's just uh, it, it makes me feel so good to know these guys like you and Pete and, you know, kind of watch you guys. I always knew you were good, but now the racing world is getting to hear a lot more of you and i think they agree with me jason and uh i, I compliment you on, on the job at tampa bay and of course uh, the other two jobs uh you know uh ain't chopped liver either and oh, uh, i do hope to make my way down there i told you i got a brother that lives in the area so i think it's about the time i went down to visit him next year well, I appreciate hearing from you, John, the uh, the River Downs crew, uh, and there's a lot of really good memories, and there's some tough ones. We've lost some friends that worked with us over there, and uh, but hold those memories very close to me. There's some really, really great times over there. All right. Well, you will hear him on a regular basis when he picks up the mic at Tampa Bay Downs. Meanwhile, if you're lucky enough to get Grant's Pass, take a listen to Jason Beam. Jason, great to hear from you. I'll stay in touch. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, that was Jason Beam. Uh, and uh, coming up next, another guy who was a track announcer in New Jersey, believe it or not. But that's not the reason we're calling him. Ralph Sirocco is, is, is going to be with us. He's got his uh, show works his butt off with uh, Race Day Las Vegas. And ironically, he kind of turned the microphones on me and he had me on as a guest today after I had him booked on this show so uh what's good for the goose is good for the gander we're going to take a little bit of a break and when we come back uh, we're going to talk to ralph sirocco i'm john engelhart and you're listening to winning ponies Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and as I told you earlier, uh, we would uh, have uh, Ralph Sirocco on in this uh, section, and that is a fact. But if for some reason you have a pressing matter, you can just go to the rebroadcast of Race Day Las Vegas this morning, and uh, you'll hear this interview again, ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Ralph Sirocco, welcome back on these airwaves. Uh, interview, but they'll uh, hear the same uh, same pro- uh, subject matter, no doubt about it. By the way, you're a racing regular guy. I uh, I was the the regular guy <laughs> in character, <laughs> as you know or may not know, at River Downs for a yes, good ten are. years. Yeah, a guy yes, that lives are. in Vegas now, Carrie Charlson, invented the the character, and I just kind of took it up. And I can't go anywhere, even though the show hasn't been broadcast for years. Uh, you know, where people won't shout out at me, so it's nice to know somebody was watching and they remember the old short fat guy. So yeah, I, that's uh, yeah. You're you're really you are a racing regular guy. Trust me, and we got plenty of them out here in in the books here in Las Vegas. I'll, I'll bet you do. Now, uh, I I've, I've had Riching on. Uh, uh-huh. I had my couple times during the pandemic, shall we call it, whatever. Um, uh-huh. Let me get let me get your read because you you've been out in Vegas for a while now. Uh, was it was it really like an episode of the Twilight Zone when you went down to the Strip? Not even a question about that. It was so scary. I thought to myself, you know, this is so surreal. I, I was waiting for the 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 clouds to come and say, "All right, Ralph, come with me." You know. It was really scary. It was like, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you know how all these pictures you see of the packed strip and all that, and people having fun and all that. It was like barren. All the casinos closed down. Um, you know, the town was closed down. The restaurants were closed down. I remember I, when I was driving to the studio in the morning, there were like three cars I'd see on the freeway all the way from my place to the studio and back. It was really a scary situation, that's for sure. But you want to know something? Las Vegas has bounced back quicker than even the experts in this town thought it would. Uh, on J- June 1st, at midnight on, on Memorial Day Monday, the entire town will be completely open again, 100%, with no uh, protocols in place. Uh, 
and uh, it's it's uh, and the town is just going crazy. People are going crazy. I mean, they're coming up the freeway now because uh, they're jazzing to get back to Vegas. Well, you know, you probably run into same problems that we're having nationwide is that during that that period, a lot of people a lost their jobs and b perhaps started in a new position or moved somewhere and got a new job. Are are they having problems filling the positions, uh, you know, in, in the casinos at Vegas? Not so much the dealers and the people on the floor, but, you know, the people who work in the restaurants, the dishwashers, the uh, busboys, et cetera. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're having a little bit of a difficulty there, but um, uh, it seems like they hold what they call job fairs, these big hotels, and and uh, somehow or another, they're getting it filled up. So uh, people are coming back. They understand. And, you know, that uh, the, the stimulus package ain't going to last forever. So people got to get here. And, and the good thing about Vegas is that it's such a tip-oriented uh, uh, place that, that most of these people who work here that work for minimum wage know that if the crowds are coming back, they're going to make much more money than that stimulus check is giving them. Right, right. Which a lot of that's being cut back from what I understand because people are making more money uh, uh, staying at home. Well, uh, before we before we move on to some other topics, something I just found out this week and uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking right now at a race we may touch on later, I hope. Uh, the Charles Whittingham for $200,000. You once galloped horses for Charlie Whittingham. I did a long time ago in another lifetime. When I was, uh, you know, uh, thinner, younger, with more hair and more vigor and verm, uh, yeah, I used to. Uh, I, I galloped for him for a while. I, did, I was never uh, the steady galloper for, for him, but I used to uh, pick up freelance galloping for him, etc. Yeah, yeah, I did. Now, now, the since I never knew that side of your life, how did you even get involved at that end of the sport, John? You and I go back to the days when I was 110 pounds in in at Turfway Park. It was yes. natural for a short guy like me to, to try to get into the business like that, especially as exciting as it was. And it was a, a great time in a portion of my life. And uh, unfortunately, it never worked out to where I became a jockey, etc. But uh, I had my moments. But I mean, who taught you? Where did you start? Stuff like that. Did not, never, never was around a horse. I was born in Elizabeth, New Jersey, in the armpit of America. So... You know, I, I was never around horses, and I just, uh, I was going to the track, and naturally, the old saying is, you always have a relative that introduces you to racing. I, I went to the track with my dad, and uh, a ticket writer uh, that was riding tickets at the time was a trainer that owned and, and uh, trained one horse. You know, it was in those days when you could do that. And so he said, you ought to come out to the barn area. So I went out to the barn area. He brought me in. And, and the next thing I know, I was uh, working, uh, you know, uh, working in the stables, working with horses. I loved it. Wow, that, that's something else. Well, you're still not that big of a man. Did you just decide, hey, I've got to go other places? Because uh, sooner or later, I just get, we just got off the uh, interview with Jason Beam, who's a track announcer. Uh, you worked your way into the announcer's booth in New Jersey. Tell us about that part of your life. Well, you know, um, when I was young, uh, you know, I was uh, had aspirations of being a jockey, but uh, I, I was doing it in, in Southern California, Hollywood Park in Santa Anita. And uh, when you live at the beach in Southern California, uh, you know, pizza, beer, and broads get in the way of this stuff. So uh, <laughs> I uh, I indulged when I was younger, and uh, and then I worked my way into the front side of the racetrack, and 
when I got my first job uh, as far as an announcer, and that was a radio announcer to give the results on uh, the KN, uh, KNX, the CBS affiliate in Las Vegas, they asked me, they said, do you know anything about broadcasting? I said, well, you turn on the mic and you talk. And they said, well, so, so you've never had any broadcasting experience. I said, well, no. Uh, and I said, but I'll tell you one thing right now. It's easier to teach a guy how to turn on a mic and talk than it is to teach a guy all the intricacies about uh, horse racing. And I know horse racing. And they hired There you go. And then how did you make your way back to Jersey and to be calling there? Well, you know, um, you know how the twists and turns are in this business. Uh, I was asked to uh, uh, send in an audition tape to the new racetrack in, in Jersey at the time. It was 1984 Garden State Park. And I did, because I was a backup announcer for a while at Hollywood Park on, uh, behind Harry Henson uh, when I was there doing the radio and TV stuff. And uh, at 125 tapes that they reviewed, I was one of the five finalists. And then they flew us out, and we called races at, at the time, was Keystone. Now it's uh, Parks Racing. And uh, for some reason or another, I won the job. That's great. Now, by, by any chance, did you call the Jersey Derby that Spendabuck ran in? I did. I called. Really? The, uh, well, actually, I did not call the Jersey Derby because ESPN had uh, gotten the broadcast rights to it. And I was not a union member at the time. Dave Johnson was. So Dave Johnson had to come in and call the race because it was on ESPN. But I called the uh, two races before that, the Garden State and the Ch- uh, Cherry Hill, which spent a buck one. And then, of course, he came back to win the Jersey Derby and and blew up the entire Triple Crown that became the Triple Crown Challenge after that. Yeah, that that, that changed the whole way people looked at the Triple Crown. They're like, oh, wait a second. People will go someplace else for money rather than history? Dennis right. Diaz said, yes. I'll take, what was it, a million-dollar bonus if you won the Cherry Hill Mile and the Jersey Derby? If you won the Cherry Hill Mile, the uh, Garden State Stakes, and the Kentucky Derby, then if you came back to run in the Jersey Derby and won it, you got a million dollars. And we had a risk insurance company that took the insurance policy, a small company, and spend a buck did it the very first year it happened, and the company paid the uh, the, the million dollars and went out of business. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, you got to listen to Winning Ponies. You don't listen here, you miss all the inside stories. We're sharing stories here with uh, with Ralph Sirocco, uh, out of Race Day Las Vegas, and uh, uh, just I want to make sure uh, if somebody wants to check you out on Twitter. Is it at Race Day LV Ralph? Uh, yeah, it's at uh, Race Day. Uh, I think it's. Oh gosh, I didn't even know. Let me let me punch it up and see. I saw this case, online today, so I should be. In close. any case, I want I want to tell everybody though this: if you think these stories are good, you ought to hear the stories of uh, Mr. Engelhart, myself, and Mr. Eng in the days when we were doing a Turfway Park in in uh, Florence, Kentucky. Those are interesting stories. Yeah, and you know, as a photographer, I got some photos, Ralph, so you're not planning to run for office anywhere soon, are you? <laughs> no. Uh, by the <laughs> way, the, the, the Twitter uh, account is at Race Day LV Ralph. I was correct. I was correct. You okay. You so, know, like, uh, you a, lot, get... a lot of people say, uh, you know, what's your phone number? Well, I don't call myself. I don't, you know, there's, it's all, you just put the, punch it in in your phone now and, and everything happens. So I, I, Obviously, never send myself tweets, so glad I got a chance to see that. 
I, I, I just did the classic, uh, you know, uh, at Engelhart John, and that's pretty pretty simple right there. Well, I, I, you know, you're never short on words or opinion. Let me hit you with a couple before you get out of here. Maybe we'll get a chance to look at these short field races out there oh, Saturday. Pathetic. Those are pathetic fields. You want to really talk about those races in California? Well, I, I had to pick something, you know, and I'll I know you what, that you guys cover you, you, them a lot. So, And I saw minute, Charlie Whittingham. Minute, I knew you had a connection. The last minute of our uh, uh, the last minute of this segment, we can go over all three races. Yes, we can. <laughs> I mean, yes, come we on. can. Okay. Well, while we're talking about it, uh-huh. what what do you point the finger at for short fields everywhere? I was watching uh, uh, TVG today, and they went from track to track to track, and the biggest race I saw was seven horses. I got to tell you, the the oversight of regulations, the drug testing that's so acute. And uh, and now the 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 whip thing and all that and the the uh, the uh, limitations of using Lasix and all that is playing. It's all playing into it. And um, you know you you get to a point where even now, if you look uh, in the last five years, five years ago to today, there are half the trainers that have trainers license in America that, that did five years ago. Wow. Because now you get these super trainers. You got the Baffords and the and the Browns and the Pletchers and uh, you know Brad Cox even getting big now, with and they got super stables. And so the other guys who are trying to find owners who are going to pay the bills for the lower uh, horses, when they get into these races with these these guys with these you know big stables, these guys are always putting in horses that are four to five and the second uh, you know favorite at three to one. It's hard to break through with stuff like that. And so it, it gets discouraging from the economic point of view, not to mention that all these other things that are playing in. And, uh, you know, I, I think racing is going through a, a transformation, and I think somewhere along the line they have to get a handle on the drug testing, they have to get a handle on universal uh, regulations for drugs, and this stuff about not using Lasix is ridiculous. Lasix is a diuretic, it's a medicinal for horses, and not using it in races, I think, is damaging to horses and not good for them. Well, uh, uh, you know, long-distance runners, human beings take it uh, for their health uh, because they know that they're going to be stressing themselves and stressing their lungs, and this will take some of that water weight off their lungs and help them run better. It's not going to enhance. They're not going to run any faster than they could without it, but at least it's going to keep them fit and healthy for after the race. You've been there. I've been there. There's nothing uglier than watching a horse come back from a race after he bled. Oh, my goodness, no. And where is PETA then? Where is PETA then sitting there saying, you know, they if they looked at a horse after that and say, you know, this is disgusting, no kidding. It's because he didn't have Lasix, PETA. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, back then they would have been saying, why don't they invent some kind of therapeutic drug that will help these horses? <laughs> Instead, they waited until they could block it. <laughs> I'll make one, one, one statement that is universal. The people who take care of these horses, the people who purchase these horses, the people who train these horses, etc., have a distinct love and dedication to not only the, 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 the industry and, and the horses, uh, that they are better taken care of than 90% of any other animals out there. And sometimes these horses are taken better care of by the people who take care of them, like the grooms, than the grooms take care of themselves. 
That is a fact. I've been on enough back stretches for enough days and hours to know that that is true, Ralph. And and that's what people have got to know. And that's what I, you know, they, uh, I hate to even use their name. But do the PETA people have any idea what they're doing to the livelihood of thousands of people if this crap gets through that they're trying to shove down everybody's throat? Well, you know, if you really investigated PETA, you'd find out that uh, you know I- I'm not going to get I'm not going to get political on this show, but I just think that uh, they ought to be more informed about the people at the racetrack who are taking care of these horses, etc., before they start making all of these uh, demands, etc., that they may not know the ramifications of it, health-wise, for the good of the horses, and then anything that's good for the horse player. And the horses. Anytime any executive at a racetrack makes a decision on anything, he's got to ask him two questions. Is this good for the horse? Is this good for the horse player? If he can say yes on both of those things, then you go with it. There you go. Well, uh, now, uh, just want to check. We're down to two minutes to post, so we won't get into the races. Um, But race day Las Vegas. Where do people go? When do they hear you? How often do you do your show? I know this is different because it's a holiday weekend. Well, okay. Uh, Normally we do it Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings from 7 to 8 a.m. Pacific time. Saturday and Sunday, 8 to 9 a.m. Pacific time. We'll do a a Monday Memorial Day show at our weekday start time at 7 a.m. You can go to racedaylasvegas.com, .vegas, .world, .global. We got them all. You go there. You can just click on. You can listen to the shows live. You can listen to them archived. You can go uh, to your favorite podcasting uh, uh, outlet and just punch us in. We're there. Uh, and, of course, uh, you can go on your cell phones, your iPhones, your Androids, you know, those devices, those smart devices that we just freak out every time we lose them, uh, and get the, <laughs> uh, the radio station app. That's KSHP a radio app. Stick it on your phone. You can hear us. That's great. All right, Ralph, you're, 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 you're down to your minute to post. Let's see how quick you are with these short fields. The grade three Daytona, the rare six and a half on the turf. All right. Well, this race here, Bombard is going to be one of the favorites. Flavian Pratt uh, just can't do anything wrong at uh, Santa Anita. I think he's got 105 wins there so far. But yep. I'm going to take a horse that is not uh, that horse, and that is law-abiding citizen. I think a lot of law-abiding citizen for um, uh, Mark Glatt, and a Bill Cedillo uh, holds some value in the race, and he should be out there on or close to the lead throughout. And if the track is playing anywhere near, uh, you know, speed, uh, then you're going to have no problem. Okay, then we move on to the Charlie Whittingham Grade Two, two hundred thousand. This is going to be just the opposite. This is a mile and a quarter on the turf. You can't. You, can you beat United in here? I don't think you can. United. Uh, you know, United is a horse that uh, some people thought that if they slowed the pace down enough that you could probably beat him because he comes kind of off the pace. But he's shown versatility since. This horse can be close no matter how slow they go. He'll be close to the lead. If they go real slow, he'll beat the lead. And he's just, uh, he's just too much for these horses. I mean, you know, he's, he ran into Charlie Whittingham two years ago and uh, got beat by less than a length and finished second. Last year he won the Charlie Whittingham by a nose. And uh, the prep for this race, the San Luis Ray, he won by three quarters of a length and could have won uh, uh, much more than that. But Flavian, Ralph, Pratt, uh, you know, kept enough. Ralph, in my, the, my uh, producers, te- my producers, telling me I gotta go. Thanks a million for being with us. Thanks a million to Jason Beam, and we'll talk to you after this great Memorial Day weekend, everybody. You're listening to Winning Ponies. 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.